sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. 75 years ago, hundreds of thousands of young soldiers, sailors, and airmen left these shores in the cause of freedom. It is with humility and pleasure on behalf of the entire country, indeed, the whole free world, that I say to you all, thank you. It was here that tens of thousands of the Americans came. The GIs who boarded the landing craft that morning knew that they carried on their shoulders not just the pack of a soldier, but the fate of the world. In defeating that evil, they left a legacy that will last not only for a thousand years, but for all time. May God bless our great veterans. May God bless our allies. May God bless the heroes of D-Day. And may God bless America. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey, welcome to the program. I am so uh, honored to be broadcasting today as we commemorate 75 years that have passed since D-Day. Celebrating this moment with uh, our listeners, with everyone across the world, as we celebrate the crushing of, of evil and, and the spread of freedom and liberty to so many people who they really didn't have an opportunity for it beforehand is a true honor. And I think one of the indicators of how momentous this moment is for us as an international community and a group of nations that really came together in our time of need is the fact that they've actually had some really positive things from the mainstream media about President Trump's decision to read the prayer of uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, which we have a little bit of that audio for you. And also I was able to find actual original audio of Dwight D. Eisenhower talking to the American people and praying over them in a much different time in this nation. And so it's really so exciting to, to be able to just celebrate that and pause for a moment and contemplate and consider um, the freedom that we have now because of the heroics and really bravery beyond the circumstances of so many men who took it upon themselves to go off and, and really to fight in a war knowing the possibility that they would not return was greater than possibly that the, they're being able to return, and they went anyway. So uh, welcome to the program. This hour, we're going to be chatting with Fred Jackson. He's a news director at American Family News. News of the day, we're going to cover a ton of different topics. We always love it when Fred is able to join us. He's super busy and super hot on the network, so it's a, uh, a real, real treat to get to have him today. We're going to talk about Atlanta turning seven acres of vacant land into the largest free food forest in the country. And I love this story. It's a good news story. I can't wait to talk about it. And then we're also going to get into a survey that's out today. 46% of voters support the tariffs to force Mexico to get tougher on illegal immigration. And a lot of details on that. Um, so I want to start off with President Dwight D. Eisenhower. This prayer was about seven minutes long. Well, the prayer was maybe five and a half minutes long. The He had a little bit of an intro to it where he addressed the American people before he began to pray. We just have a bit of it. Uh, just just I, the part that I found most compelling, and the whole thing is amazing, but this part was particularly compelling to me 
And I wanted us to listen to it because of the time that we're in now, because most of our our Christian heritage is under attack and the onslaught is is relentless and it's complete and it's total. And people are really, uh, they, they seem to have lost the idea that as a nation together, we once used to pray. We, we once felt that prayer was not just an option, but it was a requirement. It was something that we had to do and that we, we didn't just do it individually and as families, we did it corporately as a nation. I just, I'm stunned by how different the demeanor is here, here of this president praying over his people than really anything that we see nowadays, uh, especially coming from the Christian left. So let's listen to it. It's number three. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee, in this hour of great sacrifice. So he's praying for a number of different things, but I'm, I felt like in listening to him this morning and listening to his attitude, it, it, just taking it all in, that the verse for today, um, an appropriate verse for today, celebrating 75 years since D-Day, is Psalm 28, 9. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Now, obviously, we all know that God is our, our shepherd. He's, he watches over us. He takes care of us. Um, and a lot of that reference is normally associated exclusively with Psalm 23. But the Psalm that I just read to you, Psalm 28, nine is actually a plea for God to actively shepherd his people today and into the future. A prayer that is something we should be continually going to the father with, but even more important that we have to pray for God's presence to be not just with us, but with our children and with our service members and with our leaders, both sides of the political aisle, our local municipal leaders, our governors, everyone, that we have to be praying that God would be with them in their decision-making and in the really perilous times such as these, that he would shine his light on them and 
that the darkness would be driven away so that they could make decisions that actually benefit the people they've been elected to serve. And so I thought, you know, Psalm 28, 9, it's also appropriate when we consider what was done for us, you know, when, when our troops banded together with the troops of other countries and went out to vanquish the enemy and, and did so. And they did so under God's blessing, not just because the president at that time, Eisenhower, was praying over them, but because so many families and churches here at home in America were praying for the victory and safe return of those men. And so the president what has been for the past 24 hours celebrating these men overseas. Uh, one of them, I believe he's 93 years old, he parachuted out onto the beaches of Normandy to commemorate those who fell and have fallen since who did originally 75 years ago that same trip. And I just think about the bravery and the, the, the heroism, which we still have this day. We still have brave heroes who fight in our armed, ser- our armed forces and they, they go out and they leave sometimes their sanity, sometimes parts of themselves behind in our theaters of war around the world. And they do it not because they agree with the cause, but because they've pledged themselves to serve this country um, and to support and defend the Constitution. And so it's just a beautiful thing for us to get to kind of stop and pause and consider the goodness of God, his graciousness in maintaining our nation, and the goodness of the people who have for decade after decade, year after year, day after day, continually offered themselves up as a living sacrifice on our behalf, serving in our armed forces. And so for our wartime heroes and the families that survived them and carry their memories, you have our honor today. We salute you. And I think it's also nice to see some kind words about the president. You know, it's it's so rare that anyone gives him any credit in the mainstream media for anything, to see them saying nice things about him because of his uh, his demeanor and deportment overseas for D-Day. It's nice. It's a nice thing. I was afraid that a baby pig, a cute cartoonish looking baby pig might slam into one of the windows here um, and break through and cause a whole lot of property damage. Hasn't happened yet, but I'm still waiting because I did see really nice things said about the president today. <laughs> so, um, oh, sorry. I'm, I keep saying it's Eisenhower. It's President Roosevelt who gave that prayer. Hold on. I'm, I'm going back to my, my sheet here. Um, I've listened to so much content today. I'm, I'm, I may be a little bit off on that. And so now I want to turn to, um, yeah, I have that down as, as Eisenhower, but, but he's saying it's Roosevelt. Let me go there. I just want to verify that. I don't want to be, um, giving you the wrong info. Okay. Oh yeah. It says, FDRD Day prayer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Correction. That is Roosevelt, President Roosevelt praying over there. Um, so in any case, we we have a lot more on the program for you here today. We're going to be chatting with Fred Jackson, News Director at American Family News, about news of the day. You can go to onenewsnow.com and find more information there. Um, and and you can find some of the stories that they're working up right at this moment. Um, and they have a, not, a couple of nice pieces over here, historical pieces before the beachhead came a bloody fight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're a substitute getting let go after telling students that they had atrocious grammar. Um, and Democrats dream and promise quite incendiary says fair. And this is about immigration enforcement. I also have, and I'm, I'm 
so you know Ali Pack has been really, really upset with uh, the president for the different things that are going on with illegal immigration. And so they have sent out an email today that is pretty harsh on President Trump on what they feel like he, he could be doing, he should be doing, and what he is doing on the immigration front. And you might have seen also just this, this enormous crush of illegal aliens that have that come through and they're in standing room only type facilities and, and another person has died, a woman has died crossing the desert coming into this country. And they seem to want to blame U.S. border uh, customs and enforcement for all of these things when the reality is if they're crossing the desert and they have not been seen and our immigration people are stretched so thin, there's no way that they can take care of everyone who's coming through individually or in groups. There just aren't enough of our people to do it. The answer is to simply shut down the border. Now, I know I've said that before, and, and it's a answer of last resort. But if we shut down the lawful points of entry, then they could send those people to the parts of the border that are currently unmanned. And that would enable us to catch and turn around more of these people. And then the other thing that shutting down the border would do is, is to ultimately place all of the pressure back on Mexico because they're facilitating the invasion. If we don't do that, if, we, if we're not willing to take that extraordinary step, then I kind of feel like the rhetoric surrounding the border is empty. If we have any means left to us by which to stop this, to slow it down, to handle it, and we're not taking those steps, then what are we doing? We're just talking. And the talk is pretty cheap right now when, as people are noting, children are dying in custody and adults are now dying in the crossing, which we've, we've highlighted that here on the show many times before. We've talked about how it's an absolute atrocity that people are traveling through and dying without anybody even knowing about it and their bodies, sometimes just their bones, found out in the desert. And there's a group, a not-for-profit group, we covered it on the show, they go out there and they collect the remains and keep track of how many they collect on a yearly basis just to make sure that that for for posterity's sake some record is kept of the people who are dying trying to get in here and the republicans are complicit in this i I hate it that they are but they are all right when we get back we'll have fred jackson and more stacy on the right stay right there I've been leading tours to Israel for over 25 years. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I started going to Israel with my dad in the 80s and uh, learned how to lead tour groups. And so been doing it ever since. And now my wife has joined me, Allison, and we love taking folks who support AFA and listen to AFR to Israel. And we'd love to have you come along with us as well. That's in March of 2020. We're letting you know ahead of time because we know that people need as much advance notice as possible to get ready for a trip like this. So if you want to go with us to the Holy Land in March, go ahead and get the information at twholyland.com. That's twholyland.com. All the information on the March trip to Israel is posted there and hope you can join us. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with The Legacy Moment. Sadly, through the years, I've met a lot of people who profess to be followers of Christ, but whose lifestyles don't match their profession. I even know of people who flagrantly flaunt immoral lives and an assortment of other sinful patterns without the slightest hint of remorse, guilt, or conviction. Yet they claim to be followers of Christ. As followers of Christ, we too can struggle with life-controlling sin. You can be a legitimate follower of Christ and struggle with sinful habits. So to be born again does not necessarily mean your life is free of struggle. But what you are drawn to says a lot about the condition of your heart. It's sort of a spiritual statement about where you really stand before God. If you are constantly pulled toward evil, you need to question whether or not you really belong to God. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, God gives us a list of things that he absolutely hates. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Now get this. And feet that run rapidly to evil. He didn't say people who occasionally have problems with sin. He didn't even say people who struggle with sin. He said he hates feet that run rapidly to evil. that are constantly doing things wrong, looking for things that are wrong. What are you constantly running to, my friend? Do you have a heart to run toward God, or are you consistently running toward evil? Here's what I want you to remember today. Are you sure you're a follower of Christ? If you're in doubt, make sure. Surrender your heart and life to Him today. Turn your feet toward God's heart. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome back to the program. You can find out more and don't forget to go to StacyOnTheRight.com. Um, that is where you're going to find a whole bunch of the current content. And um, if anything should ever happen with social media, as you've seen, they banned Steven Crowder. Uh, well, demonetized him. He's still there, but now he can't earn a living on YouTube. And so many others who are on the list, Candace Owens, there are a ton of big names that have been um, threatened with banning or banned or demonetized, but you can always find them on their individual websites as you can with me. So you can always go to AFR.net. Facebook has no control there. Uh, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, also not affiliated with Facebook or YouTube. You can always find that up and running. And then, of course, our terrestrial radio, which you're listening to, that is our stuff. Facebook can't stop it. And StacyOnTheRight.com. So um, right now it's my pleasure to welcome Fred Jackson, News Director at American Family News. Hey, Fred. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Stacy. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I just, um, I spent some time this morning chatting with another radio host on another Christian network, and we were actually on the phone about another issue that we had scheduled before. And our conversation turned to the demonetization of Steven Crowder, mm-hmm. who I happen to know him and his wife from years ago. We used to go to Americans for Prosperity blogger conferences. And that's when I met him. And back then she was his fiance. And so this was before he had the huge YouTube presence. He was mainly on Fox News a lot and he was doing comedy and stuff like that. Well, now he's got a million followers on YouTube and he earns about a million dollars a year with his daily syndicated radio program and other videos that they do. And YouTube just demonetized him for doing the same kind of humor that leftists do all the time. Mm. And they did it because Vox.com wanted them to, not because he violated their term of service. Mm -hmm. 
it's the craziest thing ever, isn't it, Fred? Well, I, I just think it's it's part of the ongoing war that we're seeing against uh, any kind of conservative opinion. And uh, I think you're just going to see more of this kind of thing. In my years in this business, I have never seen the more open, I guess. There's always been hostility against biblical Christian conservative values. But uh, it's been mitigated somewhat by, I think, uh, a community standard that's somewhat adhered to biblical values. But now I, I think uh, we have all all-out war. And it's really interesting that we're discussing this because just in the last few hours, not sure if you've seen this, the Washington Supreme Court, that's the state Supreme Court in the state of Washington, has ruled once again, uh, again against Baronel Stutzman and uh, upholding a, a previous decision that they gave in this case, the Washington State florist, who basically the state came after her because she refused uh, to send flowers or arrange flowers for a homosexual wedding. Right. Well, once again, they ruled today uh, that she was in violation of the state's uh, discrimination laws. Now, didn't Baronel Stutzman go to the Supreme Court? Am she, I, what am I missing? <laughs> no, she went to the Supreme Court. Right. They threw it back to the state court to look at it again. Okay. And so today they are rendering their decision on the second look and they're upholding their own decision saying that she was in violation of the state's discrimination laws. So uh, we're just we're just seeing this kind of thing over and over again. I was reading a press release from early this morning from the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus, mm. our friend Brad Dacus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about a uh, Christian school, Riverview Christian Academy. Now, the story today st actually starts back in January of this year when someone called the authorities and said this Christian school was housing illegal drugs, stockpiling weapons, and was preparing for an end times apocalypse. Now, you would think a phone call like that to a sheriff's office or something like that, okay, we'll send the sheriff out and kind of check this out. This doesn't sound right. They didn't do that. They sent, are you ready for this, 16 armed law enforcement from the <laughs> California Highway Patrol. To a school. Two canine units and 17 social workers. Now, of course, they found out nothing was true. But being the state of California, and because it's a Christian school, they're not letting up. They are going after this school, and basically the bottom line is they want to put this school under state law regulations, and you know what that means. That means if it's a, a licensing facility, then the school is going to have to uh, abide by the state's definitions of uh, discrimination. So that's so the, it's a setup. It's a Fred, setup. The, the, okay, because I was going to say, I mean, I'm no tinfoil hat wearer, as you know. I, mm. we, we've met. We've been on the radio together before. We, neither you nor I sit around and think about conspiracy theories. No. But doesn't it sound just a little too convenient that they say that the school is stockpiled with weapons and stuff like that, like it's some kind of David Koresh facility? They go out and they don't find anything. And instead of leaving them alone and apologizing, now they're going to put the school under some kind of administrative ruling so that they can teach the homosexual sex to the little kindergartners and all that stuff. Cause you know, that's what California's into right now. Oh, exactly. And this school, this school has done, done nothing wrong. This school, it's uh, Riverview Christian Academy. 
has operated as a private school for the past 25 years. And every year, it files an annual affidavit with the California Department of Education, as do other private schools and homeschools in that state. So it's not like, hey, this thing, uh, this school has been operating out in the woods there. We didn't know about it. We're very suspicious. No, 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 no. The state knew about this, but what they don't like about this school, it's a Christian school. And they're not going to teach that garbage that they're pushing on the other parents, the other parents in California, which I know you guys have been covering this mm-hmm. uh, at onenewsnow.com. You can find the story we're discussing and others at onenewsnow.com. Um, you, you've covered the fact that in California, there are now almost a thousand parents rebelling against that school district that wants to adopt this framework that it's like a Planned Parenthood human rights campaign mashup of just the worst kind of perversion. And they're going to make that a part of the curriculum for every student. And so K through 12, so little five-year-olds who they know they're a boy or a girl and they know that they have a mom and a dad or you know whatever their family makeup is, but they don't know much else about reproduction or you know intimacy. And they're going to teach these kids about homosexual sex and different kinds of sex acts and different gender possibilities, really ruining these kids. They're taking away their innocence and parents are fighting against it. And the school district has said, yeah, thanks for letting us know you signed this petition, but we're still doing it. They don't yep. care. Yeah. They don't want the parents to know it. And really what we're seeing in there, and I, I mean, when we used to talk this way several years ago, Stacy, perhaps people said, oh, no, there's those crazy Christians talking mm-hmm. about that kind of thing again. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely true. And I go back to another, again, a California case about a year ago. This is a story we were dealing about a year ago. Remember, I think it was a school district in the Sacramento area. And there the parents found out that their little five-year-olds were being exposed uh, to a uh, transgenderism. Yeah. And, and there was one little girl who was brought into the classroom by the teacher and saying, Janie thinks she's now John, and isn't that absolutely wonderful? The parents found out about this. There was an uproar. There were school board meetings, and it was the end of the school year. So the school board says, we'll take a look at all of this, and then we'll come back. Well, in the midst of the summer, they made their decision. Not only were they going to continue this kind of practice with the kids, they said, we have no obligation to tell mom and dad what we're doing to your kids. And so this is where I get on my little soapbox. And I, I say soapbox you know, kind of facetiously, Fred. But the fact is, I think parents, we, so what we do is we work super hard to try to get a home in a school district that is a certain rating. Mm-hmm. And we, we look at the price of the house, the rating of the school district and the crime. And we say, okay, this place is relatively crime free. The school district is AAA rated. It's top two, top 10, whatever in the, in the state. And it's a neighborhood that, you know, we can still get to and from work. We're going to move here. We're going to put our kids in public school. And as parents, we've done our job. And in movies and in the secular world, that's probably all you got to do. But for Christian parents, our mandate is much higher. The threshold for us doing our job is much, much higher for us because public schools nowadays are no longer a place where you can just drop your kid off and check their backpack once a week and let things go the way they're going. You have to know what's going on in these buildings. And the minute they let you know, Fred, your kids are belong to us. They do not belong to you. That's when you say, actually, I have physical custody of these kids and you don't bring them back to that building anymore. And I know it sounds radical and crazy, but what else can you do? Let your kid keep going there and learning about sex at five years old. You have to say, 
I'm keeping this kid home. I'm not going to let him go there anymore. No, and, and that's a decision parents have to. We had to make, my wife and I had to make this decision, oh gracious, over 25 years ago when we were living on the west coast of Canada, Vancouver, one of the most liberal cities uh, in, in the world, really, mm-hmm. and uh, the province of British Columbia. And uh, we just decided, you know what? We get one chance to raise our kids. Just one chance. There's no do-overs. And it's not like you bring a pet into the house and the next pet you get, we're going to treat differently. No, you get one chance with your kids. And we were not going to sacrifice our kids at the altar of convenience by sending them off to this school that we know would teach them values 180 degrees to what we were teaching our kids at home. And I tell you what, we never regretted that decision. Now, we had to make financial compromises. We couldn't drive new cars. We couldn't own a house. But that was okay. And we say to this day, and our girls are now uh, in their 30s, but we say, we say today we never regret making that kind of investment because we see the results in our girls today uh-huh. in what they value and their value system. And I, I know for some folks the idea of homeschooling, if there isn't a good Christian school around, or a good public school, because there are a few good public schools left. Some, there are. Some, some great teachers, mm-hmm. Christian teachers in these schools, and they still have some latitude. They still have some latitude to reflect biblical values in the school. But I'll tell you, as you move west, may, let me put it this way, or even to the coast, uh, east coast or west coast, you're going to find more and more uh, school systems like we're talking about in California that want to control the upbringing of your kids. You know, Fred, I, our, our situation mirrors yours. And what what we did was like I, I, I remember two distinct times where we prayed over the kids mm. where the answer from God was almost immediate. Mm-hmm. And and once was um, I so I was working as I think I was like, they called me like an executive assistant or something. I worked at a bank and I'd been temping after I left the Air Force and I, I finally landed a job at a bank. And then we were expecting Maya, who's our oldest. And um, I, I, my mom was like, oh, you're going to want to stay home with her. And I said, well, mom, I just got this job. I haven't even been here a year and it's a good job. And so she said, oh, that'll pale. You'll see. So I have the baby and then I go back to work and that whole week it was nothing but trials and tribulations, Fred. Mm. I mean, she's crying all day. She won't drink the, the milk that I've pumped out and put into little bottles for her. Nothing was going right. Every day I'd pick her up and you know how when babies cry and then they, they cry for so long, they cry themselves to sleep. So they're like going mm. <laughs> like yeah. that. And, mm. and she would be like, you know, that thin film of, of baby sweat they have on them when they've cried so hard, they're like literally sweating. Mm. I'd pick her up day after day and she's like that. Yeah. And she's, I'm, you know, driving home in the traffic and looking in the back seat, and she's sleeping in her car seat. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I remember going home that Thursday night, and I just, I was crying. And I, I told my husband, I said, I look, keep looking at our budget, and it looks like if I stop working, and you know, because I'm working, I'm buying clothes, I'm buying lunch, I'm done, and if I stop doing all that, and I don't have to pay for daycare, we could make it, but we're a little short. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I, if I clip coupons and we don't eat out at all, <laughs> we could probably make it. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're willing to do it, I am. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe he said that because I thought he was going to say, well, look, woman, you got you to you work. <laughs> so then, Fred, I said, okay, let's pray about it. And he kind of looked at me and we prayed. It was a quick prayer. And then afterwards, the next morning, I, I stayed home from work. Yeah. And I remember getting up and I started praying. And I said, Lord, I, I'm going to clip the coupons. And I said, if you would just let me stay home with this baby, um, I'll do whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. And it was like eight months later, 
my husband got a raise at work that made up for the difference, you know, that little bit that was like, and it was so amazing because I felt like Mm -hmm. I was so blessed to get to stay home. I didn't mind clipping the coupons. I didn't mind not going out, but it was as if the Lord said, you know what, this is what I want you to do. And I want to make sure you know that. And it was the same thing when we decided to take our kids out of public school where I was on the board, the school board, Mm -hmm. I was a vice president of that school board. When we made the decision to put wow. our kids in Christian school. Wow. And so for the last year of my term, my kids weren't in the district and they begged us to stay. Yeah. And these were people that I loved, Fred. Mm-hmm. These were people that I, I loved these people like family, mm-hmm. but the school district was teaching our kids that Jesus Christ was the founder of Christianity. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. uh, Steve Jobs was the founder of Apple, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that mm-hmm. and, and other things. And for us, it, the blessing was our kids would come home and show us, they would tell us, but I, I remember the backlash and when we were like, we're leaving the district and we lost some friends, obviously, but I've not regretted it because there's, there's been times when, Fred, I've been in my low place and one of the kids has come to me and spoken some scripture to me and they don't do that from, they don't, they don't get that from public school. No. They get that from sitting up under someone Amen. who knows God the way I know God or more, or, you know, someone who's a, a leader in the faith who has chosen to put their time into a building teaching kids the gospel in their lessons about everything else everything they're learning they weave the the christian worldview into it and so i just echo your comments if 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 you're in the audience today listening to stacy on the right here we've got fred jackson from american family news and you're sitting on that kind of on that fence and you're thinking these numbers don't work out god is the author and finisher of our faith he make any number work out for you if you say Lord, these are your kids and you told me to bring them up in the way and tradition of the faith and and I am bound and determined to do it and they can't be in the school anymore. He'll send you a co-op. He'll send you a Christian school. He'll send you the extra money you need. Mm -hmm. He'll send you a paid off bill so you don't have to worry about the money. That's right. He'll send you away Mm -hmm. if you determine that you're going to obey him and bringing the kids up the way they should go. Because I'll say this to you, Fred, and I know people in this situation who... They didn't make that choice that you made, mm. you and your wife. Yeah. And they are now with their kids, are they're liberals, they're they practice every kind of crazy, you know, liberal mm-hmm. ideology. And you can't get them back when they're adults. You can no. pray over them, mm-hmm. but the time to catch them is while they're still in your grasp. Amen. Um, okay, you're on for one segment, or are you staying over for the... I'm, I'm not sure what we're doing here. Just the one segment. All right. Well, you know what? I love it when you come on the show. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for the blessing. It's been great <laughs> to be here. Okay, talk to you again soon, Fred. Take care. All right, Fred Jackson, News Director at American Family News, onenewsnow.com. For all the stories we covered today... We'll be back with more after this. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Today, over 50% of marriages end in divorce. But you can avoid being part of that statistic if you make your marriage a priority and work at it. Lauren and I have spoken with trusted friends and pastors over the years when life has been challenging and the going tough. We've also spoken to them when times have been great and the wind was at our back. What we have found as a couple is that you have to work at your marriage to make it successful. It doesn't come automatically. So ask yourself, are you working on your marriage? Make sure that today you tell your spouse that your marriage is a priority and that you're committed to working on it together. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. My drug habit brought me down hard. I almost lost my life, but I made the decision to give Teen Challenge a try. And what's happened since then has been so incredible. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult to Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country, and you can find the one nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called TuneIn. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. Donald Trump's America. The president is commemorating the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion when Allied troops stormed the beaches of Normandy on June 6, 1944. At a ceremony in South England yesterday, broadcast by BBC Studios, President Trump read a prayer offered by President Roosevelt. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, the heroic servants, into Thy kingdom. Queen Elizabeth addressed the gathering, attended by a number of world leaders. The hero- heroism, courage, and sacrifice of those who lost their lives will never be forgotten. After the ceremony, the president and the queen shook hands with D-Day survivors. It was terrible. It was, it was a terrible day. Today, President Trump is in Normandy for another ceremony. He's also holding bilateral meetings with President Emmanuel Macron. Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. They will need thy blessings, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteous of our cause, Our sons will triumph. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, the heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, and faith in our united crusade. Thy will be done. Almighty God. Amen. Oh, wow. Um, I love hearing President Trump use, you know, speak those words there. It's a recitation of a prayer by President Roosevelt. And, and, and obviously he didn't write them, but the heartfelt sentiment there is so beautiful and so wonderful to hear those words spoken again. And I love hearing it from President Trump. Anytime that he expresses his faith or, or, speaks to the nation in that way, it's a blessing to us. It's a blessing to us when our leaders acknowledge God and really place 
us in proper order as a country, even even though everyone here isn't a Christian and everyone here doesn't agree. Um, it's still beautiful to hear him do that, to express that. It's it's just I, I can't get enough of it. And I, I hope that he'll continue on in that way. Um, so call lines are open for you. It's Thursday, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, so that was President Trump reciting Roosevelt's D-Day prayer, part of it. And I want to talk about this survey of 46% of voters. Um, and then also, I don't know if, if you noticed or if you saw, because I don't think we pulled the audio. It was, it was Josh Hawley ripping into this uh, nominee. He's a Trump nominee. So he's been nominated by President Trump to go into the federal judiciary. And he has this case that he's been representing from his private law firm um, in which he describes Catholics who don't believe in the redefinition of marriage as individuals who don't, they sincerely hold their beliefs, but they selectively apply them and use the same logic in their Christianity as the KKK. And so this was a story that I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Um, And I was interested in making sure that we covered it here. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'm going to make sure you guys have time to call in if you want to share anything or, or discuss anything. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Um, so the survey that I mentioned, I want to get to that first. 46% of voters support tariffs to force Mexico to get tougher on illegal immigration. Now, 46%, you might say, well, that's not even more than half of the people. Well, if you consider the mainstream media absolutely walling off the correct information about what's happening at the border, then it makes sense that it's only 46%. But that's still a huge chunk of Americans who are like, yeah, bring it on, President Trump. So if I were him, I would I would tell the, the Senate, so your conference doesn't necessarily support me using tariffs to uh, pressure Mexico? Well, maybe your conference doesn't necessarily support maintaining Republican control of the Senate in 2020 because it is Trump's downdraft that will enable them to do that. Trump's coattails will either say, hey, we got the, all three parts of government back or, hey, we're squeaking by with just the presidency for more gridlock. And I know the American people don't want that. I know I don't want it. Let me just speak on my own behalf. I don't want that. So this is a new report by Rasmussen Reports, a survey. 46% of likely voters support the leveraging of tariffs for this purpose, as President Trump is proposing to do, and 40% oppose the strategy. 14% are nincompoops and undecided. The survey found 60% support for the view that Mexican government has not been aggressive enough in stopping the flow of illegal immigrants. 68% support the view that it has not been aggressive enough in stopping the flow of illegal drugs. Oh, there you go. Connect the two up. This, and, and that's not spurious. That's actually those two things go together. Illegal immigration and illegal drugs. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, we know that Senator Mitch McConnell has said there's not much support in his conference for tariffs, that's for sure. But we don't care. We don't care what kind of support you have in your conference, Mitch. Now, you know I have been really kind to you, and I have been so nice to you after years of not liking you. I have come on this good air, and I have told the good people of American Family Radio about how we should all give you a chance because you're doing good things with the judges. And don't stop doing good things just because I'm mad at you about this comment you made. This is real life. This is how it works. I can be happy with you on one issue and totally against you on another. And that's where we stand right now. And it's not just me. We have so many 
I, I don't, I'm not going to give out numbers, but the listening audience is large and in charge. Y'all, y'all are the business. This audience is the business. Pay no attention to the other networks that say they're the business. This is the business, this network. And we don't appreciate anybody going up against the president about immigration. That's how we feel. And so we're going to use our, our little pens and our little pads or our little electronic devices where we're keeping our little running notes. And we're writing down the names of the people who don't agree with the president on immigration. And we will be voting for the president next time, but we won't be voting for you. I hope you know that. And it's not like there's two or three of us. There's a lot of us enough to sway elections for you or against you. So wake up and smell the hot steaming coffee and know it's not Starbucks. It's American family coffee. Smell it and understand that if you go against the president on immigration, we'll be voting against you next time. And if next time isn't in 2020, if we have to wait till 2022, we'll do it. We'll wait. 2024, our memories are long. Our pen ink is not going to disappear. We will remember you when it's your turn. Don't go against the president on immigration bank on it. Mark this down. Mark this day down. Make sure and pay attention. You will not get away with going against him on immigration. His signature campaign issue, you should have stayed home. You shouldn't have run again if you didn't plan on supporting him on immigration. You should have stayed home, not him, you. And if you didn't stay home and you plan on opposing the president on immigration, we'll send you home. We'll help you get back to your home district and become a civilian again. We will make you a civilian again. Just wait. We're not kidding anymore. We're tired of the lies. We're tired of you raising money on issues that you don't plan on supporting. If you can't be with the president on immigration, then get out of the way. All right, let's go to the phones. Kevin in Kansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, Stacey. <laughs> Hello. Um, I wanted to say that our company that I work for, uh, we send parts to Mexico for assembly and other kind of things before the before we sent everything down there we did it all ourselves so if the tariffs are going to cause an issue and it's unfortunate that some people may not have the work down there to do like our work for us it's not going to stop our production we'll just continue to ramp up again and do those assembly and machining products, you know? Here at home, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Or in the United States. So it's not going to, the tariffs is, it's a strategy, of course, and it's not going to stop what we do. We're going to always continue on, you know, after 911, we figured out how to make things work a little different, and it's a challenge, but we've come out of it. You know, and we're still making money and making lots of money. Okay. Now, and so this is a call that's needed. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for that update and that uh, insight into how this works, because I think a lot of times, first of all, I don't, I don't work in a company that does things like that. And so I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that works. And now you've just explained it to us. Um, And I I think it's important for us to note that every company will have to make decisions based on what they're able to do. But for your company, it's actually, it's a cost saving measure for you to send the parts down to Mexico to be machined. It also does help with, you know, it's, it's trade, it's, it's a boost to the economy. But if you can't do that because of the tariffs, then you can do it in house and it's not going to stop you from making money or employing people here in this country. 
And that's the most important thing because the job that I'm most concerned about are of you and your cohorts who work here in the U.S., not the people who work in Mexico. No offense to them. Right. Well, I'm <laughs> also glad to uh, put some fuel in your F-16. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks for calling the show today. Uh, I appreciate you. So I I got to say that that makes me feel a little bit better because underneath my support for the president, obviously, I'm concerned about our American companies and our American jobs. But I also know that we are very creative people. And we have so many like, you know, he he's he's one of those people where they have a job that they need to get done and their current situation works for them and they're perfectly fine with it. But if they need to reverse that and go another way, they can. And that's the beauty of the fluidity of the American enterprise. I just think, you know, give, give some credit to these companies and the people who work there, like our good caller, for their creativity and their ability to problem solve. Uh, Joe in Arkansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show, Joe. Yeah, well, thank you for taking my call, Stacey. What I want to say about the uh, tariffs is that I support whatever President Trump is doing to straighten out this mess of the border. And I think all the people in Congress should support him a lot more than what they're doing also. But um, I think these tariffs would work a lot better and they would help us a lot more if, number one, they were higher. And number two, you know, it doesn't seem to be good for him to be threatening to put them on and then take them off, put them on, take them off. You know, what we really need is a long-term stable situation where we have tariffs on the imports so that American producers have the advantages in the American market. And mm-hmm. so we have long-term stability in this. And so that we have the jobs and the industry and the know-how, you know, in this country and keep the money circulating in the country instead of running up these huge deficits with the money draining and draining and draining out of the country. And I think our country's greatest wealth is the people that have the know-how mm-hmm. and the skills to produce and do all the things that are important to do in the modern world, in the modern economy. And, you know, what I'm afraid of America is losing most because of these insane, destructive free trade policies is that we're losing the skills and the know-how and the people that know how to do these things, you know, to make all the things that are needed for the modern world, especially electronics, where it's all made in China now. So, you know, of course, now the Chinese have the know-how to make those things and build those things and so on like that. And I'm afraid we're losing... You know, that edge in the modern world, we're losing the people that have those skills and knowledge in this country. And so, you know, if we go on like this, if we go on losing those skills and know-how to foreign countries, mm-hmm. then we are not going to be a significant country in the modern world if this keeps going on and on and on. I, if you make any more sense, heads are going to explode, Joe. you got to slow down for us and let us keep up with you. you. You're absolutely right. You are right on that. And the point you're making is so common sense that a lot of people who wear the fancy clothes and drive, get driven around in the town cars up in D.C., they can't get it. They can't even comprehend what you just said. But you're right. And I think uh, when when what I would, was wishing, okay, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but Joe Joe got me started. I, I've, I've, he, he passed the baton. What I really wish the president would do would say next week, the tariffs are at 10 percent and each week after that, they go up 10 percent. Each week they go up after that 10 percent, period. No maximum, you know, max cap is 25 percent. None of that. Next week, the tariffs are 10 percent. After that, they go up every week, not every month, 
10%. Because it's so easy for the Mexicans to stop helping these people. They seal their southern border and they stop busing the people from their southern border to our border. That's what they're doing. You, you want to see some charter buses get shut down and no longer have gas and drivers? If the president would have said that. And Joe is the one who's making that point. I'm just sharing with you what I, I when I heard he was going to do tariffs, I thought, oh, it's about time. And then when I heard it was 5%, I said, man, okay, that's not going to be fast enough. These people are going to, if, if it goes that slowly, it'll give the rhinos a chance to turn against the president and side with the Mexicans. And that's exactly what's happening. But I respect the president doing something. But he definitely could have been much more aggressive on that. And when Joe says bring those jobs back to the United States, no joke, bring them, bring them on back. You, we can machine our own parts. You know how I know? Our daughter, who's only 15, is on the drive team on her robotics club. And what does she do after school some of the days when they're in robotics club? She's machining and tooling parts. I got there one day. I was like, what have you been up to? I was machining some parts. And she starts naming some stuff off. I was like, what? You were what? Yeah, mom. So first we, she starts describing this to me. And I'm like, I'm like driving. I'm blown away. Because, you know, at my age, if you'd said, come over here and machine this part, I would have run in the other direction because I was just an ultimate girly girl and not interested in that stuff. And here's our 15-year-old who, she looks like an ultimate girly girl, but the, the, the kid is, she's, she's about to be an engineer. And she's literally, the stuff she likes to do, like cutting metal things with this special saw they have at their school. Um, that she can cut metal parts with. And then after that, of course, they have to be sanded down, machined, and then put together. Screwing metal things to other screwing things, uh, you know, other metal things with screws so she can make this robot. And our son is on the, pro well, he was on the programming side, uh, you know, programming the robot to do whatever they wanted it to do. We have the brain power here. Our kids should be learning these jobs. Our kids should be starting out in these jobs in high school and then, you know, entry-level jobs. Why not? It's our stuff. They want a piece of it. They have to do what we say. All right. God bless you from the heartland. We'll be back with more. If you're leaving us, God bless from the heartland.